One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is Save Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I'm Courtney Eck. We're sisters. Yeah, we still are in 2022. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Feel sorry for us. It's Courtney's night and she's really excited. I don't trust her, so I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I won't give anything away, but I just, you'll, you'll know. You'll get it. I don't have to say anything, I'm, I, but I am very excited about this case. I mean, I'm very fucking sad about this case, but I'm also yeah. very excited about this case. Tell me everything. So this is the unbelievable murder of Dorothy Donovan. In Harrington, Delaware, around midnight on June 22, 1992, Charles Holden got home after work and saw a strange man outside of his home and immediately found a payphone to call the police. He reported. So he was coming home and saw a strange man in front of his own house. In front of his own house, and okay. drove Call. to a payphone because we're in 1992. Yes, inserted a quarter, called the police. Oh, I guess you don't have him. to. Nine nine one one is free. Right. Yep. So he reported that his mother lived in the trailer next door and had been home alone while he'd been at work. He said he was concerned that the strange man might break into his mother's house, and for the police to please hurry so that wouldn't happen. When police arrived. They found that a window had been broken on the back door of his mother's house and confirmed that Charles's worst fears had come true, and his mother, 70-year-old Dorothy Donovan, had been brutally murdered in her own bed. <laughs> she That's was some uh, spider senses there, some spidey sense. Just, like. <laughs> just buckle up, mm-hmm. buttercup. She was stabbed repeatedly in the chest, face, and arms, and police described the crime as overkill, indicating that she'd likely been killed by somebody who knew her and was taking out severe anger toward her. Mm-hmm. Dorothy's body had been arranged in a position that would suggest that she had also been sexually assaulted, but there was no physical evidence to confirm that she had been. Since she hadn't been sexually assaulted, police wondered if the scene had been staged by someone to throw them off. So there was also nothing of value taken from the home, and Dorothy's purse was in plain view of anyone who would have come into the home and was also untouched. Dorothy was a well-loved grandmother of seven who had lost two husbands over the years, and as far as investigators could tell, had no enemies, and there was absolutely no reason for her to have been savagely murdered in her own home in the middle of the night. 
Harrington was a very safe rural farming community and had never experienced that level of violence inflicted on Dorothy, let alone a random homicide. Most residents didn't lock their doors and were stunned by the murder. Anytime we have a murder in Delaware, I'm like, they don't murder in Delaware. <laughs> we have no. a lot of murders in Delaware, I, know. I feel like, so I, I think that's Is a misconception. Is Delaware dangerous, you guys? Is it fucked up? up? This is one of the only states I've never been to. Now I know why. I've never, well, I've been to Delaware. That was beautiful. Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> My time in Delaware. <laughs> When Dorothy's son, Charles, the man who'd called police to report that he'd seen someone lurking, saw her body, he said, quote, I can't believe he killed her, and proceeded to tell the police a very strange tale. He said that he actually knew the man he'd seen outside of her home that night. He said that he'd actually picked the man up hitchhiking after work that same night. What? He said that he'd worked from 4 to 11 p.m. at the factory where he was employed, then stopped at a fast food restaurant on the way home to get a hamburger. He said that a black man had approached him as he'd walked to his truck and claimed his sister was having a baby and that he needed a ride to the hospital in a nearby town. Charles had initially refused because he lived close by, but then changed his mind and offered the man a ride in that general direction. He drove the man a few miles and then asked him to get out at the turnoff that Charles took to get home. Charles just lived a half a mile away from that point and didn't want to bring the man directly to his house, so he thought he'd leave him on the main road to continue his journey to the hospital. The man didn't take the news well, though, and started to attack Charles, who managed to get out of his truck. The hitchhiker found a screwdriver on the floor of the truck and continued after Charles. Charles claimed the man said he would kill him if he didn't bring him all the way to the hospital, so he agreed to calm the man down. Charles made it into the truck before the hitchhiker could, and so was able to speed away to safety and left the stranger on the side of the road. <laughs> That's like the most convoluted. Like <laughs> Charles said he was so shaken up, he decided to drive around for a while to calm down, and then finally headed home once he felt better. He also claimed that he was afraid that the hitchhiker would see where he lived if he went straight home, so had driven around to throw him off. When Charles arrived home and saw the stranger outside, about 20 minutes had passed. He said that he recognized the hitchhiker as the man lurking outside of his mother's home and called police, knowing the man was volatile and potentially dangerous. Okay, so we're supposed to believe that this guy figured out where the where he lived, decided to attack his mother, kill her, stage a crime scene yep. in 20 minutes, and then just like hung out in front of the house until... Yep. Yeah. The, the police were like, LOL. <laughs> like, what? Of all of the stories. They were like, that is the stupidest fucking thing we've ever heard. <laughs> There's My footage of having them. a baby. Like, what? <laughs> There's footage of them interviewing him and just being like, we, there is no planet on which we would ever oh fucking God. believe you. You That is like, you could not have come up with the worst. No. He watches way too much Grey's Anatomy. That's like <laughs> how Grey's Anatomy goes every right. time. Yes, like that would actually happen to them. <laughs> so first of all, police said it was basically impossible for the man to have walked to his home and killed his mother in the time it took Charles to drive around a bit and then drive home. Yeah. Beyond that, how had the hitchhiker known where, like you said, where Charles lived to carry out his unspeakable revenge? 
The hitchhiker would have had to walk a half a mile, made a turn, walk past several other homes, and then targeted Charles' house, <laughs> having just met him a few minutes before. Yeah, he turned into a crow and could fly right. and follow the truck at crow speed. Right. So police were so skeptical of the story that not only did it convince them that a random hitchhiker had killed Dorothy, it made Charles their prime suspect. I mean, Charles never just thought to walk into his mom's house, like, I'm using air quote, walk into his mom's house and be like, oh my God, she's dead, and then call police, and that was his story? Like, that? Nope. that's not what he wanted to do. Okay. Nope. So police <sighs> did a little digging and found that Dorothy had taken out an accidental death insurance policy right before her murder, and guess who was named as the beneficiary of the policy? The hitchhiker. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> just kidding. Charles Holden, her son. They also learned that Charles had accrued some debt over the last year, so had plenty of motive to kill his mother and collect the policy. Charles didn't have any criminal history, but everything pointed to him as the killer, and so police asked him to take a polygraph, and he refused. So police were like, you're fucked, bro. <laughs> they thought that even if Charles wasn't the person who'd carried out the murder, that he'd likely knew who did, because there would be no reason to refuse the test if he was innocent. Yeah, I don't believe that, but yes. Yeah, yeah, I would not take a fucking polygraph. I wouldn't do Fuck shit no. for cops. No, don't <laughs> ever do it. Nothing. No, don't no. Talk. I mean, don't look them in the eyes. <laughs> I would Nothing. do like personal favors as friends, you know, <laughs> but I would not do any professional fucking corresponding with them without a lawyer present. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. Police then confronted Charles with the fact that they had found a bloody palm print on the handrail of Dorothy's home, and so he needed to come clean because the palm print would match his palm print and prove he was the killer, but he was adamant that he was telling the truth. Forensic scientists compared the bloody palm print to Charles's palm prints and were shocked to find that it wasn't actually oh, a match. Shit. What if his story's real? <laughs> They then became convinced that Charles must have hired someone to kill his mother and then made up the hitchhiker story to cover up the hit or that the alleged hitchhiker had actually been the man Charles had hired to commit the murder. So investigators interviewed people that had been at the restaurant on the night of Dorothy's murder and confirmed that Charles had spoken to a black man in the parking lot and that man had gotten into Charles's truck and drove away with him. Also, anytime anyone says a black man, I'm like, <laughs> fake. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, you know, 100. It's always the, the air quotes black, black man, man. That did it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Police created a composite sketch of the man based on Charles's recollection, and the man had been wearing a very distinctive pair of large glasses. Police compiled a lineup of mugshots of men who fit the description and wore distinctively large glasses, and Charles picked a man named Richard Mitchell out of the lineup, and three other witnesses from the fast food restaurant also chose Richard Mitchell from the lineup. Police compared Mitchell's mugshot to the composite sketch of the hitchhiker, and they were remarkably similar. Mitchell also had an extensive criminal history of forgery and petty theft, and so police looked into Mitchell as a suspect. Police tracked down Mitchell at his home in Harrington, Delaware, and were dismayed to see that he had a full-ass beard, and the suspect had been clean-shaven, so the wow. beard length would have been impossible 
I mean, we're, it's like, a, you know, a week later or something. Right. <laughs> so the beard length would have been impossible in the time since Dorothy's Thank murder. Thank God for that beard. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. That's like an indefutable, like you can't, yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully they tugged on it or something, but, <laughs> you know. That's like Excuse a, me, sir. Can I tug on your ears? Yeah, so we're just going to need to. Uh-huh. It's on there. But seriously, he would have 100% been in jail for the rest of prison forever. Billion, trillion percent. A yep. Beard. A beard. They also, well, they also compared Mitchell's prints to the palm print they'd found on the scene, and that didn't match. And he had a solid alibi, so he was rolled out Perfect. completely. Good. Yes. Yes. So if you ever commit a crime... And somebody like, sees you just grow a beard really <laughs> fucking fast, fast as you can. Uh, I can grow the four chin hairs that come out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pluck. So in the meantime, police also learned that a spot of blood that had been left on a light switch in Dorothy's home did not belong to Dorothy. So they had an additional clue to work from. They assumed the killer had cut his hand when he broke the glass on the door to break in and then left the blood behind when he switched on the light. They sent the blood sample to the FBI's forensic lab, and the blood also did not match Charles's blood, further ruling him out as the person who had actually carried out the murder. It also ruled out all of the other suspects the police had gathered as people who could have killed Dorothy. Even though the DNA ruled Charles out at the killer, police couldn't shake the feeling that he'd had something to do with the crime, but couldn't come up with any additional evidence or testimony to tie him to it, and so the case went cold. Wow. Then, ten years later, Delaware was finally able to access CODIS, which is the national DNA database that has a list of all the DNA available that is attached to individuals who have committed crimes. Police entered the DNA evidence associated with Dorothy Donovan's killer, and one week later, they received their first lead in 10 long years. Ooh, that's so exciting. I know! I would just be like, enter, 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 enter! (laughs) (laughs) The DNA matched with a man named Gilbert Cannon, who was an individual with a long criminal history and had been living in Delaware when Dorothy was murdered. Since Dorothy's murder, he had served time in prison on drug and robbery charges, but had since been released. He looked strikingly similar to the man in the composite sketch that Charles claimed he had picked up hitchhiking and had seen outside of his mother's home just before she was found murdered. So it took police two and a half months to track down Cannon, and they weren't even sure if he was still alive at one point, but they finally found him living with a girlfriend 40 miles away from where Dorothy had been murdered. Police questioned Cannon, and he was adamant that he had nothing to do with the murder and had never encountered 70-year-old Dorothy. Police then took a full palm print from Cannon to compare to the palm print they'd found on Dorothy's railing, and it was an exact match, so they confronted Cannon with all of the evidence. He continued to deny that he had anything to do with Dorothy's murder, but then three hours later, he knocked on his cell window and asked to speak with detectives. What Cannon proceeded to tell police would knock their fucking panties off. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I was hitchhiking. And- so Cannon claimed that on the night of the murder, he was high on cocaine and wanted to score some more. While he was out looking for more drugs, he ran into Charles Holden at the fast food restaurant and made up the story about his sister to get a ride Shut to a mouth. nearby town. <laughs> Swear to fucking God. Uh -uh. Charles said he couldn't take him as far as he wanted to go, but could get him much closer. So Cannon got into Charles's truck. 
when Charles pulled over where he said he was going to let Cannon out, Cannon became angry and started a fight with Charles. Cannon was able to find a screwdriver on the floor of the truck and chase Charles out of the vehicle and continued to pursue him. Charles eventually agreed to bring Cannon as far as he needed to go, but then sped off before Cannon could get back into the truck, leaving him stranded on the side of the road. Cannon said he started to walk in the direction Charles had driven off in and decided to find a place to sleep for the night instead of trying to keep hitchhiking in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. He passed a few houses as he walked, but they all had lights on, so he kept going until he found a dark house. <sighs> Once he found a house that he thought was empty, he broke the glass out of the back door and made his way inside. When he broke the glass, he woke up the woman who was sleeping upstairs, and she confronted Cannon. That woman was Dorothy Donovan, and just so happened to be the mother of the man who had just dropped Cannon off, but Cannon had no idea who she was. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cannon was afraid that Dorothy would be able to identify him, and so rather than simply leaving, he used Charles's screwdriver to stab Charles's oh. mother to death. I have chills all over my body. Isn't that fucking... <laughs> what? How does this happen? How does the world exist? How does the world work? What are magnets? And none of it makes sense. <laughs> no, that's not possible. Yep. He is lying. <laughs> they, they've came up with the most unbelievable story that's ever been ever. It's fucking true. Wow. Charles had been telling the truth the entire <laughs> time. God. But the coincidence was so unlikely, police had never believed his story. No, you would never believe that story. <laughs> never. Never. That's unbelievable. Thank God they didn't find anything else or like press it or be bad cops and like force Seriously? him into it. He could have gone to prison for the rest of his life. Could have died because he picked up the wrong fucking guy and that wrong fucking guy picked the wrong fucking house. <laughs> I'm like picking my jaw off the floor. What the fuck is happening? So Cannon confirmed that it was just a horrible coincidence that he had broken into the home and killed the mother of the man who had just picked him up and that Charles had absolutely nothing to do with his mother's murder. Jesus. I just can't believe it. Gilbert Cannon pled guilty to first degree murder to avoid the death sentence and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Can we talk about some coincidences now? Yes. I fucking love coincidences. I mean, I fucking hate that Dorothy yes. was brutally no. murdered by a drug-crazed hitchhiker in the middle of the night. That's unbelievably fucking awful, awful on so many levels. And then the fact that her son had to live with that hanging well, over him. I just him. don't even know like then you drive by and you see him in front of your house and like yeah and you're like no way isn't it's just yeah. and you're like how do I get them to believe me no you don't <laughs> cops are like this isn't true he's like it's totally true it oh happened a hundred percent it just happened trust God. me but then to to refuse the polygraph and stuff yeah Yep. And he's like a, you know, he's just like a dude. He's just like a, like a all-American dude. You know, yeah, he was not yeah. getting, like, offering up any help, you know? He was like, right. b b believe what you want, fuck you, hit app. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, 
I love coincidences and I've told this coincidence before, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it again because it gives me the chills every time I've told it and I've told it a lot. But I met my best friend Clint in San Diego, California, when we were 19 years old. He moved to Chicago and then he moved back to South Carolina where he's from. In the meantime, I moved to fucking Humboldt County and then up to Portland, Oregon and ended up living in this house, 1807 Stark Street, which is no longer there, R.A.P. Stark Street. Mm -hmm. This big old enchanted fucking farmhouse. So Clint and I reconnect like 10 years later. I make Clint move to Portland twice. He moved, moved back home, moved him back to Portland because he's my, our platonic brother, soul partner, everything. So in this house, I had inherited the house from this guy named Frank who had lived there for like 10 or 11 years. All of the roommate stuff from those 11 years were in the basement of this house. Like anything they didn't want to take with them was in the basement of the house. So we called it the wishing basement. You could just go down there and dig around and find whatever the fuck, like crimping irons and like VHS tapes of Whitney Houston, like so much cool shit down there. So Clint started dating Lee Kyle. I think they both listen. Hi, Clint and Lee Kyle. Hey. I'm telling your story again. Um, Clint was like, you have to go into this basement with me. It's fucking crazy. And they're both like treasure hunters. So it's their, it's a hundred percent their kind of place. So they're down there digging around. They find a stack of letters and these letters are between a woman named Karen and Frank, who I had inherited the house from when he moved out. So Karen had been in New York city and like, I think traveling around the East coast, if I remember correctly, but sort of like vagabond, cool punk rock style, just traveling around. And she was writing letters to her boyfriend, Frank, who I inherited the house from. So she's off writing these love letters. I miss you. I long for you, blah, blah, blah. While she's traveling around, she meets Lee Kyle, Clint's now fucking husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They meet at a Western Union, I believe was the first meeting. Hi, you guys are cool. You're cool. What are you doing? Traveling around us too. Cool. Have a good life. Don't see each other. Like two weeks later, run into each other again. We should be friends. Totally, let's be friends. Uh, Where are you from? I currently am from nowhere. I'm from Portland, and I'm heading back because I really miss my boyfriend, Frank. Karen heads back to Portland and convinces Lee Kyle to move to Portland. So then fast forward like 13 fucking 15 years, I don't even know, and Clint and Lee Kyle find the letters that Karen had been writing to Frank when Lee Kyle met Karen and she convinced him to move to Portland (laughs) where he met Clint, his now husband. And Clint was living in the house that Frank had been living in when Frank had written the letters to Karen. (laughs) So crazy. So crazy. It's so crazy. So crazy. There was also another time when I was in New Zealand hitchhiking around and this was in 2000. I don't know what New Zealand's like now, but it was just nothing. There was just not a lot of things in New Zealand. Hitchhiking around majority middle of nowhere. And we got picked up by this couple on the North Island in the middle of nowhere. Then a couple weeks later, we got picked up by them again on the South Island in the middle of nowhere. And then we were on the ferry going from the South Island back to the North Island and run into this fucking family again. <laughs> I love that shit. I there was too. another time... That my roommate, my college roommate and I were at lunch with some friends from college and we weren't super good friends with these people. 
Um, but we lived in a very haunted house at the time and some like extra haunted shit had just happened. And so we mentioned it at lunch and they, and we mentioned it was on California street was where this house was. And one of the friends said, Oh, I used to live in a super haunted house on California street. And like no shit. She's like, yeah, it was really fucking haunted. She's like, actually it was so haunted that one of my roommates went nuts and was like crying and digging in the yard <laughs> and like lost his mind from the haunting and his parents had to come and get him and take him home. And we're like, what's the address? <laughs> it was the same fucking same house. house. And my room was the room where all the haunting shit happened. Like my roommate saw a blonde lady follow me out of the, my room one day and I hadn't had a lady over. And, like, someone always would, like, knock on the door and shit. That it was the same fucking house. And he lived in my bedroom. God. So. So. I. Those are my. Do you have any good coincidences? I was trying. I know. I'm sure I do. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um. Well, you can think about it. But I found some famous coincidences to share. So, on August 6th, 1945, Tsutomu... Yamaguchi was in Hiroshima on a business trip. Quote, As I was walking along, I heard the sound of a plane, just one, he told a British newspaper. I looked up in the sky and saw the B-29, and it dropped two parachutes. I was looking up into the sky at them, and suddenly it was like a flash of magnesium, a a great flash in the sky, and I was blown over. The blast that had blown him over was the atomic bomb that the U.S. had dropped on Hiroshima during World War II. Yamaguchi survived the blast and managed to make it back home to Nagasaki by August 9th. And you won't believe what happened to him on that day. <sighs> no. He survived a second oh my God. nuclear attack from the United States, despite upwards of 200,000 people dying between the two blasts. Wow. He lived to thing. be the age of 93. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whew, that was a close one. Better get home three Jesus. days later. Yes. Wow. So I love twin shit, but this is definitely the the craziest uh, twin coincidences I've ever heard. Um, in 1979, a set of twins were reunited at the age of 39 after being separated for 37 years. Both twins had been named Jim by their adoptive parents. Both had hobbies in math and carpentry. Both had jobs in security And strangest of all, both had married women named Linda, divorced their Lindas, and then both of them remarried women named Betty. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them also had sons named James Allen. What? But one Allen was spelled with just one L. They both had adopted brothers named Larry. They both had vacationed in Florida within three blocks of each other. And they both had dogs named Toy. What? <laughs> this is confirmed. It's in the Atlantic and shit. This is real. Wow. Yes. Yes. There was also this, I don't know, this one. There was a woman named Violet Jessup who was on board the RMBS Olympic when it collided with a British warship in 1911. Thankfully, no one died in the dramatic collision, and she lived on to then board the famous Titanic (laughs) and was on it when it sunk in 1912. She managed to survive again by boarding one of the ship's lifeboats. She was then 
on the HMHS Britannic when it sunk. Stop getting on boats. Stop. To get on a lifeboat (laughs) that was almost sucked under, and she was almost sucked under when one of the ship's propellers caught it, but she jumped out in the nick of time and survived. Wow. After surviving three near-fatal ship catastrophes, Violet lived to be 83 and died of congestive heart failure. Jesus. Can you imagine if you're on the second one and you're like, oh, hell no. And then the third one? No, you really just stop getting on boats. Like, I, I know that was how you had to get around that. I know, but then. stop. Don't. You just stay. Wherever you are, just be there for now. It's just a lot. Wow. So a man named David Spiegelhalter, which is a great fucking name, (laughs) studies coincidences and has a website called Understanding Uncertainty that we will link to in our show notes where he has people submit their coincidences, which is so cool. Collecting Mm -hmm. coincidences is the job that I should have pursued. Seriously. He says that the most amazing part isn't the coincidences. It's that we become aware of the coincidences by bringing them up, mm-hmm. which is an even more of a wild coincidence than the coincidence itself, <laughs> which I'd never thought about. Right. He gave an example where he was on um, a roller coaster at Cedar Point, waiting in line for a roller coaster, found like $134. And it's like some upperclassmen stole it from him, but he found it and was like, wow, it's a lot of money. And then fast forward like four years and he was in college in a different state and somebody brought up the fact that they had lost $134 at Cedar Point. And he was like, was it on the Determinator or whatever? And he was like, (laughs) yes, it was. And he was like, I found your money. (laughs) But he was like... It's it's wild that I found the guy's money and we ended up in the same place. But what's right. even weirder is that we he brought it up. It. Yeah. Yes. So he said that the like statistically coincidences aren't uncommon because there are 7 billion people on the planet. But right. the fact that we notice them is very unusual. Hmm. So, quote, coincidence expert Bernard Beatman in his research has found that certain personality traits are linked to experiencing more coincidences. People who describe themselves as religious or spiritual, people who are self-referential or likely to relate information from the external world back to themselves, and people who are, who are high in meaning-seeking are all coincidence-prone. People are also likely to see coincidences when they are extremely sad, angry, or anxious. Hmm. Quote, coincidences never happen to me at all because I never notice anything, Spiegelhalter says. (laughs) (laughs) I never talk to anybody on trains. If I'm with a stranger, I don't try to find a connection with them because I'm English. (laughs) He's my spirit animal. I love Spiegelhalter. Beatman divides coincidences into three broad categories, environment, environment interactions, mind-environment interactions, and mind-mind interactions. Violet Jessup's coincidences are examples of environment-environment interactions, as these are things that happened in the physical world. So her ship's (laughs) sinking three times. Mind-environment interactions are the instances where you're thinking about a friend and they suddenly call you. Or as the case with Laura, my wife and I, one of us will be thinking about something extremely random and the other person will say that thing out loud in that moment. Uh Happens fucking, I'm sure it happens with all spouses, but it happens constantly. And it's like, it never ceases to make me go like, fuck you! (laughs) Right? Yeah. 
Quote, we banned premonitions from our site, Spiegel Halter says, because where's the proof? Anybody could say anything. <laughs> such a curmudgeon. I know, I love Spiegel Halter. But he has a website where he collects coincidences. Yeah, so. he wants to believe. He just He could be like that guy who um that we talked about before who was like, mm-hmm. I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if you can conclusively prove par- paranormal activity. Yeah. Um so these these can also be the mind environment inter- interactions are like when you think of something specific and then suddenly see that thing all right. around you. Quote, this is an effect that Stanford linguistics professor Arnold Zwicky, which is another amazing name, calls the frequency illusion. And it's not the same as a premonition. It's just that once you've noticed something, your brain is primed to notice it again the next time you encounter it. Quote, and then the final category, mind-mind interactions, of course, is straight-up mystical. (laughs) (laughs) One example of this is, quote, simulpathity, a term Beatman coined to describe feeling the pain or emotion of someone else at a distance. So it's like when someone feels a pain in their chest and then learns that their dad Mm -hmm. died of a heart attack. Quote, this is where we start to leave the realm of science and enter the realm of belief. Coincidences are remarkable in how they straddle these worlds. People have surprising connective experiences, and they either create meaning out of them or they don't. Quote, you really come across a question of just what belief system you have about how reality works, Beatman says. Are you a person who believes the universe is random, or are you a person who believes there's something going on here that maybe we got to pay more attention to? On the continuum of explanation, on the left-hand side, we've got random. On the right-hand side, we've got God. In the middle, we've got little Bernie Beatman did something here. I did it, but I didn't know how I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Beatman says, quote, coincidences alert us to the mysterious hiding in plain sight. And that is the story of the unbelievable... And fucking tragic murder of Dorothy Donovan and Dorothy. the coincidences that are all around us, even in death. Yeah, man. That's a good one. You see why I was pretty excited about this one? Shit, quote, yes. unquote, excited I do about love a coincidence. I do, too. And then, like, going... I could have just written about coincidences for the rest of this. I might just do a coincidences podcast because... Yes. Fuck, it's love so fast. That. Right? There was a documentary, was that on Netflix, The, the Triplets? Yeah, 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 Did yeah. Did you see that Yes. One? They yes. had a lot of that, too. Yeah. The, they had a lot of strange similarities. Yeah. I love I that stuff. Any, anything about twins or triplets. Uh, three perfect strangers? Three something, like something that, strangers. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Triplets separated at birth. Yep. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of other ones. I mean, I know I have billions of them. Like one time I was in New York. Um, I just landed. I was staying with my best friend out there for like a month and a half and landed, dropped my bags, went to a bar, got to the bar, looked down the bar, and there was a good friend of mine from college that I would just, I would never have seen her again. We've remained good friends as a result, but it was just so fucking random. Yeah. You know, like the first hour in the biggest city in the nation. And I run into my friend. Just feels cool. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Lots of that. Like, think of somebody and they call you. And oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. happens all the time. Well, when you think about, I mean, I, I freak myself out frequently thinking about 
all of the things that had to line up for me to have the things that I have in mm-hmm. my life. Yep. I love that. That freaks me the fuck out. Like if yep. I hadn't, and I always go back to this one thing because I was, we were, Sadie and I worked as nannies in, yeah, in Portland. We were in college. We were just working as nannies and it was the worst job I ever had. No offense to that family, but it was a fucking horrible job. <laughs> um, people with old money are hard. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. If you have old money, be nice to people. They don't have money. <laughs> like, but while I was working as a nanny, I took advantage of their internet connection and their computer because I didn't have one because I was fucking poor. Well, it was it, like 2003 or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I got on their computer and looked on Craigslist and found a listing for a job at Dosha Salon Spa in Portland, Oregon, which still exists to this day. And every, my, my wife, every single person I value in this world, I have because I looked at that fucking Craigslist at that moment, found that job listing and got that job because it's just like, it's like spine tingling to think about if I had gotten distracted or something and hadn't looked at Craigslist right at that moment and gotten that job. Well, I remember it being such a random choice for you too. Like I remember, you know, mm-hmm. at that point you were like, I don't know. I'm going to go work for this fancy salon for spot. eight twenty five like, an hour. Yeah. It was so a- random. Yeah. And you were like, I don't want to be a hippie anymore or whatever. Like, I want to try something <laughs> new. And I was like, great. But it really wasn't what, you know, it wasn't yeah. your sort of career path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come from AmeriCorps and like yeah, college. So pa- right. Like being a painter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I remember you saying something like, I'm, I, I don't know how you put it, but like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I'm pretty enough to work there, which is obviously ridiculous. I don't know if that's how you said it, but it was just so funny that, like, fancy enough, maybe. Yeah, but. no, it was for pretty girls. I was <laughs> shocked yeah. that I got the job because it was... pretty fucking gorgeous. But... Thanks, thank you, yes, sister. Welcome. But no, it was very, it was a... It was a it was a big turning point for me in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, the universe was like Dosha. Like, well, cool, I'm to go in. I met Megan Glenn, who is the one who helps us write our stories, yep. which is amazing. And she's one of my best friends. We worked at the fucking front desk at Dosha selling Aveda products for a summer, and then I met her friend Stephanie, and Stephanie introduced me to my wife. It's just shit yep. like that. Yeah, makes your head spin. Uh, so anyway, I, I, dear God in the universe, if I die, when I die, because I will, <laughs> if, I don't want to live forever. <laughs> if, if I die, <laughs> if I die, please let me survive four shipwrecks just to <laughs> die in the fifth one. <laughs> then just die in a plane crash. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like... Oh, oh god I'm sure she was constantly just like whoa whoa, whoa. it's like final death they're like final destination you know seriously did all of her friends die because death was coming for her for all of those years after she survived three stop sh- getting on collisions. the boat <laughs> stop you know how many people she killed because of final destination <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh, oh violent man. jessup oh so there you go guys good one court thanks Thanks very much. It was fun. And maybe I will start a third podcast about coincidences. I know. People, I want everyone listening to tell us what 
what oh, coincidences. Please, yes, please, please. Seriously. Small, big, weird, crazy. Yes. What else do we well, have for these people? Mm, I'm not prepared with my song. Oh! Uh oh. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> it is name time. Never get, never get old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys. Let's see. Here we go. N- Roy Noy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the sound editor for the British Bake Off. <laughs> Roy, Roy Noy. Noy. <laughs> um, I there's an actress named Cush Jumbo. I've been watching her on. What was she on? Oh, some British like crime procedural that's not very good. <laughs> She's good and beautiful, but <laughs> um, there's Audra and Mark Titsworth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're British, that's for sure. <laughs> I uh, when I was making my vision board, oh, I made a vision board this year, you guys. I talked about it on Patreon, but I did it and fucking do it and. It, it was it rules and i love hanging out with it and spending looking spending looking at it spending um, looking yeah but my wife um had has stacks and stacks of art for him so it's a very fancy vision board and uh there is an artist that i found in there called cohen de cock <laughs> <laughs> and also ralph eugene meat yard <laughs> what yes <laughs> They were within two pages of each other, That's too. It was amazing. like Cohen de Kock and Ralph Eugene Meat Yard. Please, meat have, yard. A, please have an exhibition together. <laughs> um, there's also Harold Ball Itch. <laughs> I'm assuming Ball Itch, but yeah, Ball no, Itch. Ball Itch. <laughs> there's an investigator, Queer Hammer. <laughs> oh. I'd like to bring down the oh. Queer Hammer. <laughs> There's a town called Flippin' Arkansas, which is so cute because it makes me think of that Vine video of the little girl who's like, Halloween, it's flipping bats. I love Halloween or whatever. <laughs> and so it's like flipping cops. It's, a, it's like flipping co- police force. It's flipping, flipping, flipping police. <laughs> um, Peter B. Johnson, a.k.a. Dick B. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> and B and J Gay Mechanical <laughs> wow. had to change their name to W and W Gay Mechanical because people tipped were too like, mad. You're, well, you're B J Mechan Gay Mechan B J Gay Mechanical is basically what they were. <laughs> um, and last but not least, Joel Berger married Ashley King, and Burger King paid for the wedding. <laughs> As well, they fucking should. Yes, they should. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's a good one. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And forever and always. Forever and always. We have a Patreon party coming up. Oh, yeah. Virtual party. Yes, a lot of you are signing up, and it's so exciting. I know. It really is. Yep, you don't have to RSVP. It just allows us to know that people probably will show up, so we still hold the event. Yep, exactly. So, uh, two weeks. Friday the 20th. You have two choices also. So Friday the 21st um, 
8 of January at 8 yep. p.m. Eastern. Or, right. Or Saturday, January the 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern. We're trying to hit up a range of time zones. Yep. Across so. the world, across the globe. Yep. You are welcome to join us. Just go over to Patreon. If you aren't already, sign up. It's a little mm-hmm. $3 a month. Yep. I'm pulling tarot cards. We will be talking, chatting. And yep. you don't have to see your face on screen. No, nope. We will be on screen, but you don't yes. have to. You guys can chat with each other. The last time we did this, it was so fun. And people were making friends and like having side conversations. And Oh, I can't wait. It was so fun. And we spent wait. the full two hours. So I think that's like our time max. Yep. But we, I thought we were going to have like 30 minutes and then people are going to get bored and leave. But no, we didn't want to go. Yeah. It was so... True fun so yep. come over and hang out with us please yep please do we it. can't wait no. um who who has made that leap oh this yeah week, thank Sadie. you that's where i was headed <laughs> hi I'm who has made that for the day <laughs> major life commitment and given us three dollars a month or more thank you so much to hannah oh hannah oh damn it she's, she's from the uk Oh, damn it. <laughs> Tana is the best. Tana is the best. Oh, damn it. That's a, that's a that's standard a British song. Uh, thank Singing you. at bars. If you go into, like, there's, like, bars and they're watching football, <laughs> a.k.a. soccer, <laughs> singing, oh, Hannah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Anna. Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much to Katie B. Oh, no. Wait. Did we have Katie B before? Cassie B. Cassie I think B. we had a Katie. Katie. Yeah. K- K- we got another one in the tree. We got another. Yes. We got yes, a Katie B. Katie, Katie B. In the tree. What does she see? Sadie. Ree. Sadie's <laughs> middle name is Ray. <laughs> Katie B in the tree. What does she see? Sadie Ray. <laughs> she sees Gregory. Who's Gregory? Sadie Ray says. <laughs> well, Gregory Peck, of course. He's not a horse. <laughs> He's Gregory in the tree. With Katie B. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I'd love to hang out with Gregory Peck in a tree. If anyone can arrange for that to happen. I feel like he's so dreamy. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Chaplin T. No, get. That's not real. Chaplin T. Yeah. That's such a cool name. I've never in my whole life heard the name Chaplin as a person. Well, maybe name. they're a chaplain. Either way, welcome to this. <laughs> if you're a chaplain, that's fucking cool. I hope your name is Chaplin. Because if yeah. if it if it really is Chaplin, that's the incredibly fucking cool name. And if you are a chaplain, well That's also I'm very cool. Bowing or whatever you do to chaplains. <laughs> Doing the cross. Honoring you. Rever being reverent. I'm being reverent. <laughs> I'm making little hands, like reverent hands, like <laughs> kind of Kristen wing like little reverent hands just so you can picture it uh thank you so much to chrissy t oh chrissy trees and a tree with katie b and gregory <laughs> hanging out what do they feel they feel like a 
cool breeze. A cool, like as in cool, like like hip breeze. And what comes in on the breeze? Manatees. Let's <laughs> say D's knees <laughs> and manatees. The manatees, the cows of the sea, pick up Chrissy T and Katie B, and off they flee to the keys. Yeah, like the Florida keys with the, the manatees. F- yes, and then they get a pina colada. <laughs> now I want a pina colada. Oh Lord, is that uh, it? And last but not least, thank you so much to Meredith C. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Meredith is, that is one of the best fucking names. I always think of Meredith Baxter Bernie. And I, so if I, if your name is Meredith, I just assume a lot of really, I, I endow you with a lot of traits, like gorgeous beauty. I mean, there was nobody more beautiful than Meredith Baxter Bernie in the eighties. Uh, you listen to NPR, you know, that kind of a thing. So you're like cool and smart, but also fucking down. Like you yes. are of the people. So congratulations on having that amazing Seriously. name. That is I, a very underutilized name. I agree. I think of Meredith Gray from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Sadie, you can make a Grey's Anatomy <laughs> podcast and I will make a coincidences podcast. Oh God, I, I really, I mean, I'm like into the 10th season or something stupid oh uh, and I just can't quit. It's really just, it's I think not great anymore, but I can't stop. I just can't. I'm good. I'm committed. I'm done. I, yeah. I just, it's my 100% my comfort show. It's getting me through this wave of COVID. We're just going for it. But Well, now I want to anyway. do it just to see if it has the same effect on me. You and I don't always like the same shows, but... No, I don't think it will. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not... It's like... Some seasons are legitimately good. Yeah. Like... I mean, I remember watching it back in the day and really liking it, yeah. Yes, the first few seasons in particular are excellent. Right. And then it just... It's a soap opera. So if you go into it with that idea of it, it being... a like primetime soap opera with good music. Yeah. You know, but Ryan will every once in a while be like, what's happening on Grey's? And I'll be like, okay, so, <laughs> so-and-so double crossed in love with her boss. Yeah. And then she was a virgin and they <laughs> slept together and she had to, you know, like a legitimate. Yeah. And then there was a bus fire and he, she thought he died and they broke up. Then she wanted him back. And then she got engaged bitch. with a Broke mob. up with a guy who died in a bus fire. Well, no, they broke up and then she saw, she thought he died in the bus fire. Oh. The way he got out of it, like holding a child that he saved, she realized she still loved him. And she told him that, but she was engaged to somebody else. And then he, <laughs> she's like, should I get married? And he was like, you, I just don't know. You made your choice. So we need to just stick with it. She's like, good, you're right. So she stuck with it, got to the altar, almost got married. And this dude who's told her not to love him because he was in a bus fire was like, I love you. And she ran away with him 
See, will they yeah. or won't they? I would stick around for that. I'd stick around to find out every See, time. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's just no way. I've got seven more seasons, and I'm kind of excited about it. God. <laughs> but I want that. I We just watched The Sex Lives of College Girls, which is a fucking great show. Um, I was very uncertain about it in the first episode because it's a little bit on the nose coming out of the gate. But stick with it. It's fucking great. And there's only one season, and I'm very, oh. like actively concerned that they're not going to pick up the show and like keep it going yeah you know mindy kaling did it um it's her her little love child baby and it's fucking great and it's got something for everyone as long as you're a girl (laughs) i would much rather have 17 seasons of a yes like an exhausted show like you've Mm -hmm. just exhausted all of the possibilities than one season of a really fucking good show yeah, no, it's left a hole in my heart. Uh, definitely, definitely left a hole in my heart. No, I, I mean them. it's like uh, Pen Fifteen. I seriously oh, am. You had to I'm bring not that okay. up again. No, I'm not okay that there's no more seasons coming. <sighs> I'm. Gl- I am glad that there's a lot of good shows with with female care. Oh, Yellow Jackets, fucking great! Everybody watch it. No, it's I've fantastic. heard of that one. I need to. It's great. In another year, when I finish Crazy Anatomy, <laughs> I am cooking through the episodes though. <laughs> What was that show? Did I make you watch it with the girls on the deserted island, the teenage girls, the other show about the, oh, the oh, wilds oh, yeah. or whatever? Yeah, that, that was, was good. fucking great. Yeah. Loved that one. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, let's go home. I, it's, it's, it, let's do it. Oh, and one last thing about Grey's Anatomy. My <laughs> four-year-old. <laughs> I watch it on my laptop sometimes. And yeah. uh, like when my children are around, but they're busy doing other things. And my four-year-old has noticed and has paid attention and has noticed that it's their surgery and he, he's into anatomy. He calls it. He'll come over and be like, Mommy, are you watching the Blood, Blood and Guts show? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Harry. Yes, Mommy's watching oh, Blood and Guts yeah. show again. <laughs> and then he so said he'll sit there and try to watch it with me, but I don't really want him watching it. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, just show me the Blood and Guts. <laughs> I'll let you know when it comes on the screen, buddy. <laughs> Uh, we love you guys we love you and if you miss us if you ever want to come see us go to our instagram facebook or twitter at they will kill and go to our website theywillkill.com, and you can always correspond with us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com rate review subscribe please oh my god we just got a big old heap of great reviews and thank you for that thank you thank you it's weird how much that means to me. I yes. would love to think that I just don't care about bad reviews, but I do. I'm a human yep. being. I think I everybody mean, does. Yeah, it just, it's just smarts. It just get you because people are yep. mean in them and it just, mm-hmm. ugh. So when you get the good ones, it really fucking helps a lot. So thank you for doing that. Uh, thank you, AJ Bergans, for your music. Thank you, AJ. And remember. Um, so when thinking about my relationship with my wife and what a cool romantic fucking whirlwind it was to meet each other, I was thinking about um, how we how how she came about. And I, it, it was such a profound moment for me. So Sadie meeting Ryan was sort of the catalyst because they met each other and it was like Dunskis, this is it. You know, these two are so fucking meant for each other. And I was like, I want that. My last relationship was not the best. I, we're very good friends. I love her. She's wonderful. But we just could not fucking get along with each other. And I sort of had this moment where I was like, I just didn't know as an adult that it doesn't, it's it's not, 
it's not easy, but it doesn't have to be that fucking hard. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are like, it takes work. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it can be miserable. Right. <laughs> right. You're like yes. constantly fighting. Um, and so I just had this moment, I had this epiphany, and I was like, if I exist, then she exists, right? Mm-hmm. If I am in this world, then statistically, somebody else who's very similar to me and has the same point of view and the same like sort of outlook on life and the same approach to this life also probably exists. And I shit you not, guys, three months later, I met Laura Fosberg. I had that moment in Sadie's living room and was like, she's got to exist, right? And then mm-hmm. boom, there she was. So don't give up and don't and believe and believe in it. Like believe that that person exists and that your right match is does exist and is out there. But it, I do think it takes some amount of like believing in that yep. for it to come about. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like similar things. Like I just was like ready, did it. I wanted yep. it. I wanted a partner. I was gonna find it. And I got really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But, but I do know. think it, it does take a certain amount of being like, I don't, it, you don't have to just sort of smash in with people and just deal with all their fucking crazy bullshit. Right. You know, it doesn't, it, there are people who exist who are going to be compatible with your crazy bullshit. Yeah. It's just it smashing could... each other's crazy bullshit up against each other. It's not. Totally. You know, like we think that that you just have to deal with, like you just have to deal with people and all their crazy stuff. But you, mm. you know, not that you should be unkind to people's crazy stuff. But <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, I think it applies to anything, like jobs, whatever, whatever. Yes, it's just like good point. Do it. Mm-hmm. It'll come. Just you know, truly like put your teeth in it and do it. <laughs> it's really fucking true. It's really yep. true. Yeah, I went from making eight twenty-five an hour at the front desk of Dosha Salon Spa to doing all kinds of crazy ass shit because yeah. I just did it and I yeah. believed in it and it, the universe rewards bravery. I believe that a hundred percent. This uh, episode was brought to you by Nike. Just do it. They <laughs> <laughs> say Dosha Salon Spa. Hi guys. I don't hey. think anybody. Maybe probably does anybody does. Kimberly, my old boss. Do you listen? maybe anyway anyway we love you guys yeah let's hang out again real soon fuck yeah see you in the tree with gregory we love you (laughs) we love you goodbye seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.